Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And tonight, we're going to start out with this. Phil, what is better than getting 10% off on your Mountain Ops purchase? Getting 11% off your Mountain Ops purchase? That's true. And what's better than that? Well, we can walk this all the way up, but let's just go ahead and jump right up to 20% off, Will. Yes, let's not annoy our listeners by going <laughs> increment by increment till he gets 20%. <laughs> if you want 20% off your next purchase from Mountain Ops, go to GetMountainOps.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and boom, you get 20% off. I encourage you to do so. I love my Mountain Ops. Hell yeah, they've got great proteins, pre-workouts, they got little... BCA pills that I love, multivitamins. I mean, if you want to get jacked, just take a little Yeti, and you will be well on your way. That's it, man. And you can't beat the new flavor of the Yeti. So check it out, everybody. Once again, NBH20 at checkout. Also, uh, we are able to provide to you a pretty sweet gift code from Maven Optics which is NBH gift. If you enter that at your checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag with your purchase. I mean, these are probably one of the hottest binoculars out there today. They're fully customizable, you know, when it comes to camo patterns, colors, and not only that, they're great glass. I'm going to have Phil tell you a little bit more about that because he had a really nice expensive pair of binoculars and he sold them and got himself yeah, some no, Mavens. I Absolutely, man. I mean, when you when you look at us as hunters, we want the best bang for our buck, right? And not everybody has fifteen hundred or two grand or twenty five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of optics. So why not get as close to the good the quality of what those two thousand dollar pair of binoculars are for half the price? You know, I mean, Mavens put a excellent product together. They've eliminated the middleman and brought you the hunter, you know, the best product they can put together and kept it in a reasonable price. So, you know, if you don't believe us, you know, they're out here, they're finishing first or second in, in all kinds of awards when they're putting their binoculars out there for an independent review. They just took second in a recent review on their spotting scope. And that's, there was over 30 entries into that review uh, all the big boys were in there too, ladies and gentlemen, and Maven, yes, on their new spotting scope, took second place in there. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, you know, that they're, they're putting out top-notch quality products, you know, I don't know what it is. Listen to me. It's money. Listen to Will. You know, they're giving us, they're giving us and our listeners the opportunity to, you know, look, if you're watching, check out this sweet hat I got on. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a sweet hat right there I got with my binos, right? So check it out, man. They're going to kick you a free gift. I encourage you to support the companies that are really keeping the hunter in mind. That's right. So it's for Mountain Ops, NBH20 for 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for Maven, it's NBH Gift at checkout. Try them out. At Maven Let, built, yeah, mavenbuilt.com. That's right. That's right. So get on over there and try them out. And now go on and enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. I'm your host, Will Bradley, along with my esteemed co-host, Phil Big Sexy, Mendoza. Phil, it's been a while. I know a lot's been going on with your life, my life, so figured it'd be good to turn the mics back on and try to do a little catch-up here. 
most most recent and maybe uh, one of the most exciting things is uh, you wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's a uh, it's a short book. It's you know I kind of it's it's hard to call it a book, right? When when maybe booklet is is a proper term, <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, it's been something you know you know I I started working on it in in a different form, I guess uh, a year and a half ago. I wrote about half of of uh, this book, and then I ended up kind of changing direction, which where I wanted to go with it. And I let it sit for months. And then, uh, you know, after hunting season, I, I, I rewrote my intro. The intro really kind of goes into it a little bit. Um, and actually, you can read the intro on Amazon. They give you the intro for free. So you, that, that, that whole hunting season kind of, you know, putting things in perspective, it just, it just lit a fire to, to have me finish it. And um, so, yeah, man, I, I, I got busy and I... I worked on it and put it put it together and put it up, you know, figured to uh, get it out there and see what people think. If nothing else, just my style of writing, I guess, my the, the way that I put stuff out, see how people take to it and and uh it's not another one of those things that I I, I knew I had to do, so Well, I it, I man. enjoyed it. Talking about the intro is not going to give anything I think away in the book. Uh but I think it's important to talk about it a little bit in that in your intro you talk about a really personal hunting trip and it's a moment I think a lot of hunters have had. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I mean that that first my my first hunt with a weapon in hand, you know, and and that's that's what I I, I touched on a little bit in that intro and and it's something that uh my, my little guy's here. Uh, look, come on, want to see? No. Okay, buddy. All right. He, di <laughs> he didn't want to make his appearance. Not either, interested. So. Not yet. But um, but I, I touched on that a little bit, and, uh, you know, it's it's something that everybody has some form. I'm talking on the computer, buddy, you see? Why do you talk to me? <laughs> we, need, we got our second interviewer over here asking me why I'm talking. <laughs> but... Um, it's something that it was, it was, uh, I always knew that, that I was, I enjoyed hunting because I'd been hunting with my dad for years and just more along the lines of following him and going with him. But that first trip of actually having a weapon in hand, getting a shot opportunity, the experiences and the emotions that you go through, um, at that time. And, you know, it, it, it was it was funny because when I put the pictures up on my social media page asking for people's feedback on if I, hypothetically if I'd wrote a book on buck fever what what picture they would choose and you know everybody's like well there was only one picture of a buck you know it's got to be that one but uh, it's like my first hunting experience was with a doe you know and mm -hmm. and those rise of emotions and that adrenaline rush and and that. Uh, that altered state that you actually find yourself in, right? With that, that is that moment of truth. Um, many times doesn't actually happen with uh, a giant whitetail or mule deer in front of you. So it's just something that it was. I, I I I was happy to be able to express a little bit of myself with some of some hunts that I've had in my past, of some stuff that I've learned from um, some people along the way that have helped me and 
put things into focus for me. So it's, uh, it's, it's all about helping each other out. Right. I mean, if people may read it and, and maybe take two or three things from it, so other people may read it and say, yeah, I knew all that. Right. Well, that's great. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's just putting it out there, putting, putting, uh, like I said, some of those personal experiences and, and, uh, my journey anyway, because, Hey man, I still get excited. I still get, I still get buck fever when I go hunting. So it's just about controlling it now and keep it in check. Now you, you bring up a good point. It is an altered state you run into when you're out there and all of a sudden your muscles start tensing up. Your breathing becomes more rapid. You're, if you can, if you're breathing at all, your right. heart gets jacked through the roof. What kind of information did you touch on to uh, help people with that? Well, you know, it's one of the chapters in the book um, goes into the nervous system and it goes into um, some self hacks and some explanation as to, uh, and it's 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 kind of scratching the surface, right? Because these are these are all things that I touched on that. You can you can go down a rabbit hole and and really dive into a lot of information. Me myself, being a modern day bow hunter with not a lot of time free time on my hands, I didn't want to sit here and write a 250 page book, and and go so far into each rabbit hole that you know maybe one of those areas people really don't aren't too concerned with or they don't care about. So I I more wanted to scratch the surface on a couple different ideas, talk about some personal experiences. But like I said, going back into that that nervous system thing, it's 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 interesting. And once you once you understand it a little bit better, and um, you understand that there's some things that you can do to uh, to help you. Like I said, I call them self hacks. I mean, I, I like using that term. Uh, ben Greenfield, who was a contributor to to the book with some of his his input, um, he uses that term a lot with fitness, right, and mm-hmm. and health and everything. Biohacking biohacking right there's there's no reason why we as bow hunters or archers don't use those some of those same uh techniques or tips strategies to hack our own uh nervous system or state of mind if you will to to help us be more in the moment you give us a little uh for example maybe something people will see in there um you know i i, I would like I said, it, the the book is is uh, I I can yes, but just to again to explain I guess um, it's I I scratched on it I uncovered I I peeled back the first layer or two of the onion right that's that's what I mm-hmm. really tried to do with a lot of things in this book so um, to give too much information is is to give out most of the chapter because it's it's <laughs> it's it's not that long of a read it's really not i mean you can sit there sit down and probably you know blow through it in a couple two hours maybe two and a half hours depending on how fast you read but i think that one of the things that that was interesting and and that i just i just started touching on because it's you know, i wanted to dangle the carrot a little bit because i've already started working on my second book right i mean i, I i've this is something that I really enjoy doing the, these last month and a half, two months that I just put all my free time to it and, and put my, uh, my energy into it. I haven't stopped. Once I finished the first one, I've kind of continued on with the second one. And one of the things that, that, people, that, that people deal with when it comes to this fear or this altered state of mind or this um, you know, perception that 
what just happened, they have zero control over. And that's really not the truth. The, the, the truth is, you know, once you learn why something happens, and if nothing else, figure something out to bring you back into that state of control, well, now you can put, you can reprogram yourself to continue with the process of A, drawing your bow, right? Because sometimes with some people, they can't even draw their bow back, you know, or, or they can't even pick up a rifle. They see an animal, they get so they get so frozen and so panicked that, that all they can do is sit there and tremble and watch. And that's, that's not the type of buck fever I've experienced. I've experienced the type where I can function enough to where I can get back. And this is years ago. This is when I didn't even know what, I, what was happening. But it, I'd be able to get my bow back or I'd be able to get my rifle up. But I, I have no, like, you know, your fine motor skills are gone. Yep. And, and that's what I really dealt with. So... I, I guess what I want to let people know is whether it's through some self hacks, whether it's through some tips or some techniques that I've done in the past to get me uh, through it. There, there is a, a, a way to to stay in control or to to at least keep yourself on the right track to uh, effectively, you know, execute what what you're trying to execute. And um, you know, one of it is, like I said, just if, if nothing else, even if it's a keyword or a phrase that you tell yourself in your mind when that situation starts to arise. And if that key phrase or keyword is enough to start the engine, right? Start the, the process again. Oh, yeah, man, I need to draw my bow back at this. You know, I need to get back to, to, to full draw. Or, and it's funny because I, I, I interviewed Tim Gillingham. I interviewed Aaron Snyder. I interviewed Ben Greenfield. And talking to... Ben obviously was on a different subject than, than Aaron and, and Tim. Aaron and Tim both related bu- the, the, the feelings of buck fever a lot to tournament archery, you know, yeah. and it's something that yep. it, it was, they, you know, they both were adamant about some of the similarities and some of the fixes to, to getting over it. So, um, I mean, I, I'll leave it at that. Like I said, it's, it's not a long read, man. I mean, it's, it's, a uh, I think it ended up on the on the paperback version, like sixty some pages, and that's just based off of the way that the chapters end and start and actual contents, like in fifty some pages. But um, it's hey, that's good, uh, man. That's a good. Think about it this way: like I'm I'm reading a book a day right now, every morning. Wake yeah. up, we got a little book, big old pictures, real big words. You know, yeah. it's about five words on a page, and I sit the boy down, and every morning. We read a little children's book, so those things are like ten pages long, and they still charge even more than that sometimes. So, oh yeah, and and, and that's it. It's the uh, you know starting with the the Amazon platform uh, was easy for me to get this up and get it out, um, get in front of you know a large audience. So moving where forward, where do they find it? Continue. It's on Amazon right now. As a, as a so you can either purchase a, an ebook or you can purchase a paperback. If you want a paperback, you want something. You know, tangent something in your hand that you can, you can actually flip through the pages and read as opposed to just you know being on a device. But um, yeah, man, I mean it's it's up and and I'm excited. I just I I really you know I, I go back and I start reflecting back because I'm starting to to work on um, like I said this the second piece that I that I've been working on and like man I I think I should have changed this in that first book right I could have done this a little different or I could have added that. But you know what? It's I'm glad it's out. I'm 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 glad I'm I'm done with that one, and I'm moving on to the second one because I've learned so much on that f- the process of the first one, and um, 
just trying to just trying to provide you know with the archery shop and the competitions and and the book and the, the podcast and and the other media you know outlets that are out there trying to create as as well-rounded of a package to help archers and bow hunters just just succeed you know and be more successful <laughs> you hear my son yeah i do so let me ask you this so you you have a son yeah having him or both of them i guess grow up shooting what are some things you are going to do to help them avoid getting to that stage so uh, that's that's funny you ask that because that's that's something i touched on in a couple places in the book and it's something that if, if i look back at when I started, you know, I started with, thanks buddy, thank you, go play with your brother, okay? When I started shooting, it was with a buddy's bow that was too long, and, you know, we'd go in the back, in his backyard, and once a week, once every two weeks, we'd go fling, you know, a dozen, two dozen arrows each out of his bow that, like I said, it wasn't sized for anybody but him, and that's how I started, and it was with the puncher release, and it was, you know, it was, uh, it was a rodeo to say the least, you know, it was fun. But then a couple of years went by and I, you know, I, I'd been hunting all my life. Then finally it just got to the point where it's like, you know what? I want to take that archery thing a little bit more seriously. And I went and picked up a bow. And in my opinion, the, the structure for coaching archers and bow hunters is very poor because it's very available. You can go to Bass Pro Shops or Cabela's or an archery shop. You can go anywhere. You can go pick up a bow, and and within within an hour, you can be out the door shooting arrows at something somewhere, you know. And the problem with that is, do you really think in five or ten minutes of setting somebody up, checking their draw length, making sure they can handle the weight, that they're going to understand what they need to to do moving forward, to be to get started on the right foot? It's the answer is no. You know, it's just, it's just flat out. No. And, you know, from release selection to understanding, uh, form and, and, stru- and, and the structure of your shot and the posture of yourself or your body that needs to be and having low shoulders and having good follow through and, and understanding what pin movement supposed to be like and, and understanding that all those things are part of the process. It'll take hours and days and, and for some people years to, to understand and grasp all that. Mm-hmm. And that's where with, with my son, it's something that he just got his first release, uh, about a month, a little over a month ago now, maybe a month and a half ago, but, and it's a pull through release. Um, you know, I had considered getting him started on a puncher, but I was like, you know what? No, I, he's going to start with this. Now when you, when you say puncher for those people who an index finger release, um, you know, treat like a, a caliper, a, a, ca- a double caliper style release that you, you basically squeeze you with your finger, your index finger, or you know, a version of that type of release. But what I decided was he was he started shooting when he was three, believe it or not, with the little fiberglass recurve, and I would help him. and And he got to the point when he was about four, he can load his own arrows and he can shoot all on his own. He was only shooting about five seven yards, and he'd only shoot about eight or ten arrows, and then he'd put his bow down. But I let him shoot like that, and and then I just kind of coached him into having a little bit better form as he went understanding that he was doing it at his own pace and as he wanted to so here fast forward now when he was six a little over a year ago he was watching he was shooting tournaments by now watching other kids 
three, four, five years older than him, mind you, shooting with their compounds, shooting very well, hitting the targets. And he, here he was, he'd hit one out of four or five targets with his recurve, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I can start seeing the frustration in his face. He's like, dad, what the heck? You know, these kids are all drilling these targets and I can't even hit one, you know? So at that point, it's like, oh, he's, re- I, I thought he was ready for a compound. He, he expressed he wanted one, but I kept him shooting fingers because he was familiar with how to anchor with his fingers. He was familiar with re, uh, the release and follow through with his fingers. So I kept him with that in a compound. So I introduced one variable at a time, right? I like that. And so, and, and, and realistically, it was two variables just because of the compound and then the actually putting right. the side on his bow now, right? So he had the form down. He had the, the, the follow through down. He had his anchor point down. So he started shooting with his compound with the single pin sight. And then he started doing much better immediately, you know. So now he's with his buddies, and they're all hanging out. And and mind you, Dominic's six, and he's shooting with nine, ten, eleven-year-olds. So he's strutting his stuff. He's feeling pretty big. Well, yeah. I mean, they're still <laughs> shooting better than him, obviously. But he's definitely starting to to progress and starting to improve. So he does this for um, you know the whole last year. So then he starts bugging me, Dad. When am I going to shoot a release? When are you going to teach me at the release? And at this point, I said, okay, I, I think he's ready. He's got the compound. He's got the peep side and the front side, and he's got that He's got that system down now. So then I go to a pull-through release, and before I let him do it with his bow, I got a little string bow and, you know, just a piece of rope on a grip, and I started adjusting it, and I started walking him through the push-pull style shot technique of which I wanted him to learn drive his front arm gently to the target, pulling back with his back arm, um, minimally so he's not coming off of anchor and everything else. So he's not pulling the way to the side. Exactly. So then he's learning this on the string with the pull-through. And and then he's getting it down, getting it down. So finally it's like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's grab your bow. You know. So I had to adjust the release a little bit more for the tension of the bow and put him up to like 10 yards puts his pin on the target and he starts i mean before he can hold a yeah you know a 12 to 14 inch group about 50 at 15 yards and and his 10 inch group was just a little bit i mean his 10 yard group is just a little bit better than that because he's shooting fingers all kinds of different arrows so now i i i got him all the same arrows put him in front of this target with this pull through release and he's like four to six inch groups at 10 yards and he's looking at me like dad they're in the yellow, you know, and, and he's stoked. And, and now I know he's all in because he's seeing the, the, pro, the progression of himself and he's seeing the results that he wants to see with this. So now we've been, he's been shooting that, that pull through for a little over a month, maybe a month and a half now. We've been shooting some, some paper leagues. Uh, he's been shooting in the, the 3D tournaments we have at the shop. And now he's got a 10, 15, 20-yard pin set on his bow, and he's understanding how to use that. So, and he's he's telling me, Dad, can we go downstairs and shoot our bows? Dad, can we go to the shop and shoot our bows? So now he's excited, and he's interested in it, and he's very engaged in it. So my biggest challenge now is that moment where the kids start to lose their attention when we shoot like a paper league, for example. About halfway through, he wants to go play grab ass with his buddies, you know. <laughs> And that's where dad's like, nope, you got to finish. You started, you got to finish, you know. So it, it's that, but it's that's just the parenting process, I guess, that I'm I'm learning as well. But as far as the structure and technique, if I can take a new bow hunter and if I can tell them, look, 
you need to do you need to shoot this type of release for at least the first month. And if there was a pull through type release, a, a true tension style release that was around a hundred bucks, I would have twenty five or thirty of those on the shelf, you know, and very little of those index finger tr punch releases because I truly feel that those releases are um, they're a pro they're a problem for most people because of uh, because of I, I don't want to say ignorance like pe people are ignorant. It's just because they don't know what's out there. They don't know what's out there to make them better and to teach them how to properly aim with a bow in hand because it's not like shooting a rifle, especially shooting a you know on 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 a bench with the rest, setting that rifle in there, and your crosshairs hardly move on a target, right? And, and you're squeezing off a hair trigger to get the on a rifle. It's, it's not the same game. So I, I wish that, that that was something that I, that's, I, wish, I wish I learned that way, and I wish I can teach more people that way. I try as many as we can. I encourage people to try that. But again, you know, with pull-through, you know, tension-style releases being 150 to 250 bucks, it's, it's an expensive endeavor. Yeah, it is, especially for someone like me who started on a uh, true ball shoot. What's it called? Stinger, probably. No, it was the nice one. I started right off the bat with a nice oh, did one. You? Yeah, was it a but, thumb release, a thumb button? No, it was the trigger. Okay, so maybe a sweet spot or a, a beast or a, I I don't know. They, there are so many different ones. Yeah, but now it's not just expensive, like. The expense of the release isn't as bad as the expense of the time in right. training myself differently and properly doing it and in having to tell myself, listen, I'm going to be going from really confident shooting really well to every fourth or fifth shot might be a little squirrely. Yeah. You know, and when I say squirrely, I mean not in the 10. I might be in an 8 on a 3D target, sure. which going from killing 10s to knowing you're going to go to giving up a little more accuracy so you can redo this whole process, it's humbling. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's where, I, like I said, if people can start, if they can learn that way, right, if they can learn with a tension-style release because they're, they're, they're learned, it's, it's a lot at, at, at first to learn the process of shooting a bow, but if you can learn to aim properly and you can learn to shoot a surprise shot from the get-go – Man, going to a punch to release later on, or a thumb button, or a hinge, or whatever, all those things, in my opinion, are, should be interchangeable once you learn how to properly execute a shot, you know, and, you know, the, the whole, one of the, one of my biggest pet peeves is the whole back tension phrase, right, because they say a certain release is a back tension style release, and it's like, no, I don't, I don't feel that That's way, great. I feel that back tension is part of your shot and your pro the process mm -hmm. of your shot and your structure, right? Right. The different releases are an indicator, a thumb button release, a hinge, a tension style release. You should be using proper back tension to shoot all of those. And here, you know here's I mean? your, that's a great point. Great point. And one reason I'm glad you actually said that is, say you take a Stanislavski, I think it's the Just, is the Just X, the thumb, mm -hmm. or the shoot off? One of those. And if you don't move your hand at all, and you sit there with the tightest hand you can, you can move your back as much as you want. But guess what? That thing's not going off. You right. can add all the tension to your back system you want, but it's staying right there. So to say it's 
it's not truly a back tension is 100% correct and it's a little bit misleading too. Yeah, it's that that's where so again, so the whole the, the learning part, right? The structure of teaching a, an archer or bow hunter is lacking in the compound archery world and I'll tell you that when you look at the uh, where the coaching structure is to teach people that to teach people this is how your back should be positioned when you're squeezing and you're following through this is what you should be feeling the people that do that very well are the fetus style shooters the olympic archer olympic style mm-hmm. archers right mm-hmm. and rightfully so that's technically the highest level of competition is the olympics in archery in in my opinion and and there is structure for that the structure for shoot, teaching a shooter how to do all those things with a recurve in hand is there. For the modern day bow hunter, um, it's not. It's can you take some of the same principles? Yeah, you can go to a class and 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 take your your classes from an instructor that's that's level four or five certified to do this fetus style stuff, and you can learn proper form and and technique there. But when you start putting a pull through t- style release, a back t- a hinge release. Uh, a, a, whatever, a, a puncher release and start using those and transferring them into a bow hunting application, that's where the disconnect is. You know what I mean? And that's where some, one of the biggest, and even in the, the book that I wrote, one of the biggest suggestions you can have is is to pursue more tournament archery or tournament style archery because that's when you start to learn more about yourself. You start to shoot more arrows. You start to identify with, okay, when I do this this way, this is what happens. And if you go back to the very basis of what archery is, is consistency, right? Doing it every time, um, even if it's a little bit off, as long as you know why certain things happen and you can duplicate things, then you're going to be very good. So that's where, I guess, it, it's, it's just, to me, it's about helping bridge that gap between what target archers mostly know, high-level high target archers and, and skilled target archers, they know so much more about archery than the the general bow hunting public and oh, it's yeah. because they've the, the amount of time the the skills learned to a work on your equipment understand your equipment work on your form and 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 know those details that that's where in my opinion it's it's that bridge needs to be gapped when when i when i sit back and look at as a pro shop owner and as a an instruct what i consider myself as an instructor and a teacher of bow hunting and archery when you say what needs the Identify a problem that that the masses have and try to uh, attack that problem. Right. That that's what I that's what I need to try to do. And that's where this book, the first book that I wrote, was starting in that because it's like, look, we've got a problem here. A lot of times it's between our ears, and a lot of times it's just because you don't know the right mindset to put yourself in or the right things to do to help train yourself. So that way, when you get in that situation, the the event doesn't overtake you. Now go back into the second step of that. Okay, now it's form, function, structure, equipment selection. All of that, that's the second piece of that. So, yeah, we understand that the, the mind, the, what, what happens in those situations, now let's try to help fix that. Now let's, let's also identify, the, uh, again, the, the form and the, the functionality of actually shooting a bow in those applications, and, and let's, let's try to make everybody better at that. I'm a little curious. What uh, release are you running down with? It's an evil. It's a. It's a stand pull through. I think it's called the. Uh, shoot, I forget what it's called. Give me one sec. It'll come to me. It's the element. Oh, the element. That's a good one. Yeah, and it's they They're have a youth ones, size. Yeah. Really. You know, so yeah, they have a. 
So they have a youth size or a small size, and and that's that's what I really liked about this Hamski. I like the Hamski uh, breakthrough right. and the Cure because theirs is also a tension style. Mm-hmm. But this is just a touch smaller in the hand for someone like Dominic, my son, who uh, he's seven now. So um, this this has worked good for him so far to learn on. Um, I myself actually on the pull throughs when I've played with one, just just even just training when you're blind bailing or blank bailing, you want to mm-hmm. get back into that you know making yourself pull through a shot. The the Hamsky Cure actually fits my hand a little bit better than the breakthrough. The breakthrough is a little bit big. So, and that's the smaller one that they have as a cure. Hmm. So there's, there's a lot of the, uh, the Carter evolution is another one. That's a good one. So there, there's a lot of good ones out there. Did you see the, uh, new they're calling, I think the perfect Dan came out with Stan. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen that, but that's uh, that's not a pull through, is it? No, it's thumb. Yeah, it's a thumb button. It's thumb, but a uh, lot of adjustments coming out on it. It looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, stands, stands, stand releases are really, really well done and well built. Um, they do a good job, but but a lot of people have have stepped up their game with the, with the release game oh, lately. Yeah. So Definitely. it's everybody no wants to be on equipment. top. No. No, one thing I liked about the new one though, lanyard mount. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For anyone yeah. doing trained to hunt, the release would suck, suck big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I sh- I shoot a, a hinge for everything, and and it's something that, with those type of events, I, I always had to make sure that the the shorts that I was wearing had a little zipper pocket or velcro pocket where I can shove that sucker in, so I wouldn't lose it while I'm doing the the running or the ops or the event, you know, the uh, physical challenges. Yeah, you're not going to make it very far without your release. Mm-mm. So speaking of uh, challenges coming up, alpha bow hunting, what's the plan this year? So 2017, um, we're going to be adding some events and dialing it up. You know, what our, our goal in 2016 was to uh, get the event out there, um, we, we picked a pretty tough weekend just cause I didn't want to schedule on top of anybody. And that was that Memorial day weekend, but we had a great time and it was a big party. Uh, I would say that you, one of the things that, you know, reflecting back on the event, we had spectators. Yeah. I mean, there was two to three spectators per every competitor, you know, it was wives or husbands, kids. Um, there was a ton of people there and, and that's what I really wanted to to come to to bring to the, to that event was make it spectator friendly, make it fun for everybody to compete in and watch. And in doing so, um, our game we're really not going to change our game at all because it's it, I feel like it was it it was it came off very well that first time. Mm-hmm. So where I wanted to grow was at events. So we're going to do four events in 2017. We're going to do three. Uh, qualifier type events um and then one finals and i guess the only you know qualifier finals the the only thing that really is going to differentiate those is if you compete in one of the first three events that are you know we're going to call the qualifiers i'm going to 
um, pre-qualify the top four competitors in every division for the finals and comp their entry fee for the finals. So, oh. yeah, so that's it's something that, in my opinion, if you qualify for that type of event, um, it's, it's an invite, right? We, you, you've mm-hmm. done well enough on your first event. Okay, move through to step to plan B. Now, the finals event is going to be an event within itself. So if you weren't able to qualify in the first three, it's not over for you. You still have time to – or you still can participate in the finals and um, try to win the big prizes because that's the second part of what we're doing is, you know, we gave away – it was over $5,000 of cash and prizes at our very first event. So I'm working hard, and I am – I haven't been one to to go out and 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 call in favors, right? I I don't I don't like to have to do that. But for this stuff, for the for the growth of the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge and and being able to continue to deliver a a you know a, a competition, a package to the consumer, I'm calling in favors, and I'm uh, I'm I'm we're getting after it, you know. So my goal for 2017 is nothing short of dialing it up many notches in that cash and prize category and things are starting to uh look pretty good so really uh, what are we what are we talking big big payoff for the uh, overall champ or what uh, i'm my goal so this year jesse who won uh in 2016 you know he got cooler and a hamski uh release and he got a kafaru pack and he got i mean a grizzly cooler and then he got arrows and um mountain op supplements and he got i can't remember what else he though i mean we figured it out and in cash i want to say that he took home oh i don't know it's three or four hundred bucks cash damn um, yeah so he he took home over fifteen hundred dollars of cash and prizes himself um my goal this year for the finals i mean uh, we're going to be given prizes at every event and i i don't want to commit to everything we're going to do until I have all our ducks in a row. But for the finals, my goal is that person that, that, that wins the men's alpha division is going to have at least $1,000 cash in their pocket addition, in addition to other prizes that, that we're going to be giving away. So I don't know. I don't know anywhere else in a bow hunting type competition. You go out and you win, you're going to get a thousand dollar payday guaranteed in addition to other stuff, you know? So other than, you get into some of the big ASA tournaments and IBO tournaments, you win money like that for competing in the pro class or semi-pro class. But this is a bow hunting competition, and this is, um, this is you know, this isn't your your standard bread and butter, uh, you know, target shooter or or 3D shoot. What's what's the date of the last one? Ju- July 1st and 2nd is going to be the finals. I'm gonna have to make a little note right here that July. So you're saying someone like me who lives out of town, July 1st and 2nd, could come out, qualify, and then the finals is going to be after that? Or how is it? No, the, so you don't even have to qualify. If you just decided you just want to come up on July 1st and 2nd, pay your entry fee, and, and roll the dice, everybody, whether you qualify or not, has to shoot the, the qualifier round in the morning, right, or the first day, depending on how we fo- structured it. But okay. the structure of the event itself is essentially a, a qualifying round, marked yardage. You're going to be shooting bow hunter scenario targets, uh, shooter's choice targets. There's all kinds of stuff. The, the game at, of the qualifier itself is a game within itself. So 
you come out, you qualify. If you happen to finish in the top 8 to 16, depending on total number of competitors for the Alpha Division, then you're going to qualify to, to go head-to-head for those big, big prizes. The kicker here is if you don't happen to fall in that top category, everybody else still gets bracketed head-to-head format, and there's still uh, second-tier prizes that, that you get to, co- to compete for. So it's, it's going to be huge, man. I mean, I, I sat down, and I started penciling out. That, that's where I started is when I looked at 2017, I said, okay, what do I want to deliver to the competitors? And I said, this, this is what first place should win. This is what second place should win. This is what the ladies first place should win, second place, third place, fourth place, and, you know, the, in the alpha bracket. And then in the men's open bracket, because like I said, if you qualify in the top uh, 20%, you're in the alpha bracket. Everybody else is in the, is in the men's open bracket. Uh, you know, we've got a traditional division. We've got a young adult division. We've got a senior division. So in all these divisions, I started, I started outlining what I wanted to give each competitor for winning or being in the top, you know, in the, on, in the awards uh, process. And then I work backwards from there. Because in my opinion, you can go shoot a 3D shoot with your buddies and have a good time anywhere, right? Anybody mm-hmm. can, can do that any given weekend. You can go, you know, if, if you don't want to shoot a tournament and you want to go get better, you can go do that anywhere, You know, so if I'm trying to put a competition together where I want to help you get better, I want to show you some weaknesses, not because I want to put you down, but because I want you to identify those and get better from them. And I want to have a fun competition where you get to go head to head, one on one. You don't have to be the best shooter of the weekend. You just have to be better than the guy standing next to you the entire time. When you start that line, that's it. That's the only thing that you need to do. You don't have to be the best, most accurate, most fittest guy or girl. You just need to be better than the person next to you each round. And in doing so, I want to be able to give you a lot of stuff, man. There's a lot of great things that the archery industry has to offer. And like I said, I, I, haven't, I haven't went out and, and called in on a lot of favors, but I've started to. So, and it's, it's for the reason I want to give it back. You know, I want to give a lot of that stuff back. And, and when somebody leaves that event, any of those events, they're going to say, hopefully, one of – a, a couple things. Yes, I had a great time. I won some great stuff. It was fun watching other people compete, and I had a great time doing it myself. Oh, and by the way, I need to work on this, so I'm gonna get to work on it. You know, so it's something that um, I'm excited about. It. That's that's probably, you know, uh, with having written this this book and and having the alpha stuff, organizing that for 2017. Um, man, I'm I've. I've, I was starting to feel burned out a little bit before hunting season. I was starting to feel a little bit um, like I was lacking uh, direction again, you know, and I just sat down and, and started outlining my goals and, and, and writing out what I wanted to do for 2017. And that's when stuff started to uh, take place and, and work itself out. And it was just like it lit a fire under my butt since then. So uh, I'm, I'm motivated to make this this competition the best bow hunting game out there. And reward people in the process. I like that. I'm not going to lie. I'm busy right now searching for uh, flights out to Denver on those dates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun, man. We're, I've got the DJ lined out for all four events. That's, that's one element that um, we brought to the, to the table this year where we had music playing all weekend. We had on the head to head rounds, it was full on, 
um, you know, music was playing and people were, were pumped up to get ready to compete. You know, you, you see a lot of competitions and a lot of times where people are sitting back with their headphones on, they're kind of getting pumped up or they're getting in the zone, you know, it's like, you don't need to do that, man. Let's all do it. You know, let's all do it together. So, um, we got, uh, we got my buddy Juan lined out. He was with us this year and, um, he, I've already, he was one of the, one of the first guys I talked to. I said, man, I need you next year four times. And he said, I'll be there. So we're, we're, we're lining stuff out. The, the, the July 1st and 2nd, the finals, we're going to do a private film viewing just like we did this year. We will have a big, big free barbecue, some kind of catered dinner, um, probably in between the first two nights of competition uh, after the first night and before the second, um, Oh wait, there's two nights of competition. I didn't catch that. So the final is going to be a two day event and change this flight then. Yeah, so that it's a it's a Saturday Sunday event. It's um, Saturday is going to be the qualifier. We're going to add an element, a, a different element to the to the game for the finals, where um, people can can get a little extra practice, hopefully on that head to head range. It's all going to depend on on participation, but uh, yeah, the game's going to be uh, the qualifying rounds Saturday morning. We'll probably start some of the head to heads on Saturday afternoon. Um, after Saturday afternoon, Saturday, Saturday's events, we're going to have a free dinner. Like I said, we're going to have some, you know, private film viewing. Uh, there's a lot of good talent out there that, you know, some of them submit their stuff to the film tours. Some of them submit it just to YouTube and do it online. And other guys like Willie and Willie Schmidt from Pure Hunting and, you know, even Trevin with Outback Outdoors, those guys have some work that sometimes doesn't make the cut for TV but it's still great work, you know? So, uh, we're going to open our doors. Uh, I know the whale tail guys are always putting good stuff together. So we're going to open our doors and, and I'm inviting some people to, to, to allow us to share their, their short pieces on that, that evening. And again, just continue the, the, uh, the community atmosphere, the community feel, because again, that's, that's the, one of the other things that, that uh, drew me away from a lot of, a lot of competitive archery stuff was you rush to get there, you do the competition and you rush home or you rush back wherever you're going. Right. Cause it's, it's just always such a busy, uh, our lifestyle is just so busy. So with this event, especially this finals weekend, I want to be able to bring people together, give them a, pl- give them some time and, and a platform to, if nothing else, man, sit back and, and enjoy a frosty beverage of your choosing with a, with a buddy and watch them, watch some private films and, and, um, you know, have some barbecue and just hang out and then we'll get back after it again on day two. Yeah. I feel like you've convinced me to come out to this competition. How, how does the competition actually work before I go ahead and book this? So the, the, the event structure itself is a, you start with the 25 target, qualifying course right 25 target round you're going to be um some of the targets we had this year just to give you an example there was some shooter choice targets where uh, for example there was a target where you got to walk up to the stake there was a judge at the stake and you said i'd like to judge that target judge the distance and shoot it for bonus points so if you don't want to judge it and shoot it for bonus points, you can just walk up judge would show you the distance on a little yardage card and the we, the target this year was like a 63 yard elk, 
Okay, so normal scoring is is in play on that target if you decide to shoot it for mark yardage. So you go up and you've either got a 12 for the bonus ring, a, a 10 for the 10 ring, an 8 for the 8 ring, or a negative 3 for anywhere outside the vitals. So we are enforcing a real-life scoring system that, that uh, is... is uh, is more lifelike to hunting, right? You wound an animal, it's big time bad news. It'd be better to miss the animal than wound the animal. So that's our scoring system. So once you get to this target and the judge says, would you like to judge this target? And you say, yes. Okay, well, if you everything you do from that moment on, you get bonus points. So the 12 ring just turned into 15 points, for example, right? The 10 ring just turned into 13 points. The 8 ring just turned into 11 points. And the three is still, uh, the, the outside the 8 ring is still a negative three. So... At this point, you can say, well, I'm pretty sure I can hit inside the eight ring judging that target. Worst case scenario. So worst case, you're going to get 11 points just by uh, judging it. Or, you know, you could get as many as 15 points for hitting the bonus ring. So it's, there's, there's some targets like that, that, that there's shooter scenario choice targets. And what my goal with doing that is, is I want the shooter to have to think a little bit before you shoot because that's where a lot of people say oh you want to get so ingrained and so muscle memory with this process that you turn your brain off and you just react and that not necessarily in my opinion is the right thing to do you need to be so comfortable with the shot process that that yes most of that takes place but your mind still needs to be engaged on what you're doing so that's where shooter choice targets just like that so most the target all the targets are marked yardage you can walk into our tournament and not have to judge a single target but there's going to be a handful that if you want bonus points you can get bonus points by judging the target there's other shooter scenario targets where there's two ex- identical targets for example there's a turkey at 17 yards and there's a turkey at 34 yards so twice the distance right you know how small those those scoring rings on oh, a turkey yeah. are so now the higher risk the higher rewards so then the, there's bonus points assessed to these further targets so again it's the, the game of qualifying the qualifying round in itself is a game within itself so you come out there's some kneeling shots there's some seated shots you're drawing and holding for 30 seconds there's some there's some these shooter choice targets there's a lot of we had a ground blind target there's a lot of different uh, real life hunting scenario shots in our game after you post your qualifying score we basically put everybody in, in order, and then we, uh, we, we develop our, our brackets. So at the qualifying rounds, there's just going to be a men's open, women's open, traditional, senior, young adult. We are going to have a youth. We're going to open it to youth, although the, the youth head-to-head game is going to be uh, interesting for me at, at this point. But, um, but we're going to op- open all those divisions. Once you get once you get bracketed, then you wait for your uh, your tea time your your bracket your bracket to come up, and then you go head to head. The whole tournament is shot. You got to be wearing a day pack. You got 25 pounds for the guys, worth of total day pack weight. Ladies are 15. Um, it's just simulating hunting in as many ways as we can. There's no way you can simulate hunting without hunting itself. But as far as throwing a little uh, the little twerks in there are a little, you know, tweaking the game to simulate as many as, as many hunting uh, similarities or situations as we can is what we're trying to do. And really, so, you're pushing your the archery skills. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's something that, you know, I I primarily hunt the West, uh, 
do I think that a Eastern whitetail hunter, you know, if that's primarily what they do, will benefit from this type of game? A hundred percent. If if you if you can be prepared to hunt the West, you can be prepared to hunt anywhere. You know what I mean? It's it's something that if you can be proficient and skilled and prepared to tackle, you know, the Rocky Mountain region of of the Western United States, then I believe you can hunt anywhere in North America and be prepared for that. Unfortunately, you cannot be prepared to sit there in the stand, bored out of your mind all day, freezing your balls off. But I don't know if that's something you want to train for. (laughs) That's a mental toughness factor there that that requires additional training. Yeah, yeah, which this will, I think, man, you know what? After talking to you about this, I think I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to give it a shot, see if I can find a cheap ticket, make my way out there. Yeah, and that's that's so – the reason I added more events to is to give people more opportunity practice on this type of game because it's so, it's so new that people haven't you know been able to do it anywhere if you didn't come to our first event. So having these qualifier dates, um, the structure is the same. The only difference in the finals is going to be that we're going to take the – top 20% of at least the men's open division and create that alpha bracket with enough ladies participation. We'll do the same. If we don't, well then the ladies bracket will stay the lady, just all inclusive and, and run them out, um, and head to head format like we did. So, um, that, that's, that's it in a nutshell, man. I guess that it's, it's, I had fun. I even jumped in on the action, the action this year. We had a, we had a buy spot on one of the, one of the competitors and I said, "Nope, get get your get your pack, get your bow. You're shooting against me this round." And of course, they still went on. I wasn't actually competing to compete. I just wanted to get in there and run the course because everybody looked like they were having such a good time doing it. I had to do it myself. How'd you do? I did all right. I did good. So um, it's fun, man. Like I said, it's it's a lot of fun. It's each round on the head-to-head course takes somewhere between two and three minutes. So we turn the course over, we reset the course and start with the next group and we set the course and we, st- so it moves fairly quickly. Um, so there's always action, man. There's always action and it's, uh, it's short enough to where it can be fast, but it's, it's long enough to where you, you get your heart rate up a little bit, you know, you get that adrenaline flowing, that little mild physical exercise between each shot on the head to head round. It, um, it's just enough to get you, um, in that lifelike situation of I just climbed this hill, that's it, you know, and can I make this shot right now? So I'm looking Mm. forward to it. Yeah. Me too. I get ready, man. Me too. Oh, I'll be ready. Don't you worry about me. Three minutes, that's my perfect workout time. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, on that note, you want to keep going or we'll talk a little hunting or should we call it, a, call it a show and catch up on the next one? I don't even know how long we've been rolling, man. How long we've 50, been rolling? About an hour. About minutes. a little shy of an hour. Yeah. We can, we, I know we're going to catch up again here, I think, uh, in a week or so, a little over a week. But um, real quick, how would how'd your hunting season go? Did you get did you get out and stand much? or what? Uh, So my hunting season was pretty non-existent and i'll be honest it could have been better if i had done more work on the preseason but generally i've always done a lot of the work because we have such a long season during season 
what I did not account for was the amount of time that would be allotted to new family activities. Yeah. So next season coming up this year, I'm just going to have to have everything ready. And the only thing I'll have to do is get in the stand and go. Uh, that, that little guy, man, you, your little guy, that's uh, it's you, you don't know how much time he requires until you, until he's here. Right. That's a hundred percent. Correct. Nobody because could I, prepared me for that. No. And I dealt with the same thing when I had Dominic, my oldest son, he was like, Oh, I don't, it'll be fine. You know, I, I'd still get to hunt as much. No, I didn't hunt as much for that first year. I can remember that a hundred percent. I didn't the second year I got a little bit better. And then it was like by the third year that I felt like I was back into the swing of things with actually getting to get out as much as I used to. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. Oh. It was rough. How about yours, though, man? Yours, you you had some success. I did at the end. I mean, I Nebraska was really good, man. I shot a nice buck there. Um, my my New Mexico hunt was it was really cool. I got to hunt, uh, spend some time with my cousin Joe and and with Luke, with uh, with uh, Luke and Grady, with uh, the Gladiators and Leash guys and. Um, I didn't, I, I wasn't able to shoot at anything. I mean, tag out on anything. There was no shot opportunities on that hunt, but I got to see some beautiful country. We did see, uh, some elk the last evening I was there of which we didn't, we, I'd never got close enough for a shot on. Um, but it was, it was, it was a great time. My general archery season, it went good. Braden and I, Braden tagged out the opening weekend. You know, he shot a real nice buck. We had a hellacious pack out and um it was an ass kicker all around but you know it was it was memorable i got some great video i need to actually start uh editing that so i can i can upload that because that's that's it was it was an awesome hunt um i was a little less successful than as the season continued i actually arrowed a nice bull and wasn't able to recover him so that was where a lot of my kind of dampening of or the the downfall of my my low point of the season i guess you might say um it's never good when you, you lose an animal but even less when it was an animal of that caliber that i was able to get into and um nonetheless man i i learned from it I, it's it's hunting and i hope to not experience that again but it, it did i mean i i i, I plugged the bull and it was a good blood trail and it, we just it just it didn't work out so mm. but that was it man it was it was it was good and it's always good got to take dom up for a weekend and and hike around with him and have him tell me how to elk hunt so <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting but um no man I'm, I'm excited like i said my my batteries are recharged i um I've I've kind of you know obviously we Welcome, haven't been on here as much and it's it's just because I've been I've been working you've got the little guy Will you've Bradley, got family stuff going along on with my esteemed and, uh, co-host Phil I'm, I'm trying big to sexy Mendoza start finishing some Phil, projects it's been a while I know a lot's been going past, on with your life book, my life so being, figured it'd be good to turn the mics back on and try to do a little catch up prizes and structure them. And most all that ex- seemed most to, recent to be and maybe uh, one of the most exciting things is uh, you wrote a book. No Limits Archery should be fully yeah, functional man, it's here a, come spring. It's a short book. It's um, you know I so kind of trying to it's make hard a call point to a book, finish right? when, when maybe booklet some is, projects is a or at proper least term. complete. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Should say, I should say some, but, uh, some projects. Yeah, it's been something you know. Uh, you know, I, I, I started working on it 
in awesome man in a different so, form, I exciting. guess, uh, a year and a half ago. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this of, has been the uh, Natural uh, Born Hunter book, podcast. Up Wake up, chase Kind of changing direction, which Repeat. where I wanted to go with it. And I let it sit for months. And then, uh, you know, after hunting season, I, I, I rewrote my intro. The intro really kind of goes into it a little bit. Um, and actually, you can read the intro on Amazon. They give you the intro for free. So you, that, that, that whole hunting season kind of, you know, putting things in perspective, it just, it just lit a fire to, to have me finish it. And, um, so yeah, man, I, I, I got busy and I, I worked on it and put it, put it together and put it up, you know, figured, uh, get it out there and see what people think. If nothing else, just my style of writing, I guess my, the, the way that I put stuff out, see how people take to it and, and, uh. It's not another one of those things that I, I I knew I had to do. So, well, I it, I man. enjoyed it. Talking about the intro is not going to give anything, I think, away in the book. Uh, but I think it's important to talk about it a little bit. In that, in your intro, you talk about a really personal hunting trip, and it's a moment I think a lot of hunters have had. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I mean that that first my my first hunt with a weapon in hand, you know, and and that's that's what I I, I touched on a little bit in that intro, and and it's something that uh, my my little guys here uh, look. Come on, want to see? No. Okay, buddy. All right. He di- <laughs> he didn't want to make his appearance. Yet, Not so. interested. Not yet, but um, but I I touched on that a little bit, and uh, you know, it's it's something that. Everybody has some form. I'm talking on the computer, buddy. You see? Why do you talk? <laughs> we need, we got our second interviewer over here asking me why I'm talking. <laughs> but um, it, it's something that it, it was it was a. Uh, I always knew that that I was I, I enjoyed hunting because I had been hunting with my dad for years and just more along the lines of following him and going with him. But that first trip of actually having a weapon in hand getting a shot opportunity, the experiences and the emotions that you go through, um, at that time. And, you know, it, it was, it was funny because when I put the pictures up on my social media page, asking for people's feedback on if I, hypothetically, if I'd wrote a book on buck fever, what, what picture they would choose. And, you know, everybody's like, well, there was only one picture of a buck, you know, it's gotta be that one. But uh, it's like my first hunting experience was with a doe, you know, and mm-hmm. and those rise of emotions and that adrenaline rush and and that uh, that altered state that you actually find yourself in right with that that is that moment of truth um, many times doesn't actually happen with uh, a giant whitetail or mule deer in front of you so it's just something that it was I I I, I was happy to be able to express a little bit of myself with some of some hunts that I've had in my past of some stuff that I've learned from, um, some people along the way that have helped me and put things into focus for me. So it's, uh, it's, it's all about helping each other out. Right. I mean, if people may read it and, and maybe take two or three things from it, so other people may read it and say, yeah, I knew all that. Right. Well, that's great. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's just putting it out there, putting, putting, uh, like I said, some of those personal experiences and, and, uh, 
my journey anyway, because, hey man, I still get excited. I still get, I still get buck fever when I go hunting. So it's just about controlling it now and keep it in check. Now you, you bring up a good point. It is an altered state you run into when you're out there and all of a sudden your muscles start tensing up, your breathing becomes more rapid. Your if you can, if you're breathing at all, your right. heart gets jacked through the roof. What kind of information did you touch on to uh, help people with that? Well, you know, it's one of the chapters in the book um, goes into the nervous system and it goes into um, some self hacks and some explanation as to. Uh, and it's 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 kind of scratching the surface, right? Because these are these are all things that I touched on that you can you can go down a rabbit hole and and really dive into a lot of information. Me myself, being a modern day bow hunter with not a lot of time free time on my hands, I didn't want to sit here and write a 250 page book, and and go so far into each rabbit hole that you know maybe one of those areas people really don't aren't too concerned with or they don't care about. So I I more wanted to scratch the surface on a couple different ideas, talk about some personal experiences. But like I said, going back into that, that nervous system thing, it's, it's, it's interesting. And once you, once you understand it a little bit better and, um, you understand that there's some things that you can do to, uh, to help you, like I said, I call them self hacks. I mean, I, I like using that term, uh, Ben Greenfield, who was a contributor to, to the book with some of his, his input, um, he uses that term a lot with fitness, right, and in mm-hmm. health and everything. Biohacking. And biohacking, right? There's there's no reason why we as bow hunters or archers don't use those some of those same uh, techniques or tips, strategies to hack our own uh, nervous system or state of mind, if you will, to to help us be more in the moment. You give us a little, uh, for example, maybe something people will see in there. Um. You know, I, I would, like I said, it, the, the book is, is uh, I, I can, yes, but just to, again, to explain, I guess, um, it's, I, I scratched on it, I uncovered, I, I peeled back the first layer or two of the onion, right? That's, that's what I mm-hmm. really tried to do with a lot of things in this book. So, um, to give too much information is, is to give out most of the chapter because it's, it's, <laughs> It's it's not that long of a read. It's really not. I mean, you can sit there, sit down, and probably, you know, blow through it in a couple two hours, maybe two and a half hours, depending on how fast you read. But I think that one of the things that that was interesting and and that I just I just started touching on because it's I wanted to dangle the carrot a little bit because I've already started working on my second book. Right. I mean, I, I I've this is something that I really enjoy doing. That these last month and a half, two months that I just put all my free time to it and, and put my, uh, my energy into it. I haven't stopped once I finished the first one, I've kind of continued on with the second one. And one of the things that, that people, that, that people deal with when it comes to this fear or this altered state of mind or this, um, you know, perception that what just happened, they have zero control over. And that's really not the truth. The, the, the truth is, you know, once you learn why something happens and if nothing else, figure something out to bring you back into that state of control, well, now you can put, you can reprogram yourself to continue with the process of A, drawing your bow, right? Because sometimes with some people, they can't even draw their bow back. 
you know, or, or they can't even pick up a rifle. They see an animal, they get so, they get so frozen and so panicked that, that all they can do is sit there and tremble and watch. And that's, that's not the type of buck fever I've experienced. I've experienced the type where I can function enough to where I can get back. And this is years ago. This was when I didn't even know what, I, what was happening. But it, I'd be able to get my bow back or I'd be able to get my rifle up. But I, I have no, like, you know, your fine motor skills are gone. Yeah. And, and that's what I really dealt with. So I, I, I guess what I want to let people know is, whether it's through some self-hacks, whether it's through some tips or some techniques that I've done in the past to get me uh, through it, there, there is a, a way to, to stay in control or to, to at least keep yourself on the right track to uh, effectively, you know, execute what, what you're trying to execute. And, um, you know, one of it is, like I said, just if, if nothing else, even if it's a keyword or a phrase that you tell yourself in your mind when that situation starts to arise. And if that key phrase or keyword is enough to start the engine, right? Start the the process again. Oh yeah, man, I need to draw my bow back at this. You know, I need to get back to, to, to full draw or, and it's funny because I, I, I interviewed Tim Gillingham. I interviewed Aaron Snyder. I interviewed Ben Greenfield and talking to Ben obviously was on a different subject than, than Aaron and, and Tim. Aaron and Tim both related bu- the, the, the feelings of buck fever a lot to tournament archery, you know, yeah. and it's something that yep. it, it was, they, you know, they both were adamant about some of the similarities and some of the fixes to, to getting over it. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Like I said, it's, it's not a long read, man. I mean, it's, it's, a. Uh, I think it ended up on the on the paperback version, like sixty some pages, and that's just based off of the way that the chapters end and start and actual contents, like in fifty some pages. But um, it's hey, that's good, uh, man. That's a good. Think about it this way: like I'm I'm reading a book a day right now, every morning. Wake yeah. up, we got a little book, big old pictures, real big words. You know, yeah. there's about five words on a page, and I sit the boy down, and every morning. We read a little children's book, so those things are like ten pages long, and they still charge even more than that sometimes. So, oh yeah, and and, and that's it. It's the uh, you know starting with the the Amazon platform uh, was easy for me to get this up and get it out, uh, get it in front of you know a large audience. So moving where, forward, where do they find it? Continue. It's on Amazon right now. As a, as a so you can either purchase a, an ebook or you can purchase a paperback. If you want a paperback, you want something you know, tangent, something in your hand that you can, you can actually flip through the pages and read as opposed to just, you know, being on a device. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's up and, and I'm excited. I just, I, I really, you know, I, I go back and I start reflecting back cause I'm starting to, to work on, um, like I said, this, the second piece that I, that I've been working on and like, man, I, I think I should have changed this in that first book, right? I could have done this a little different or I could have added that. But you know what? It's I'm glad it's out. I'm 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 glad I'm I'm done with that one, and I'm moving on to the second one because I've learned so much on that f- the process of the first one, and um, just trying to just trying to provide, you know, with the archery shop and the competitions and and the book and the, the podcast and and the other media you know outlets that are out there, trying to create as as well rounded of a package to help archers and bow hunters just just succeed you know and be more successful Are you, talking? <laughs> you hear my son 
Yeah, I do. So let me ask you this. So you, you have a son. Yeah. Having him, or both of them, I guess, grow up shooting, what are some things you are going to do to help them avoid getting to that stage? So uh, that's, that's funny you ask that because that's, that's something I touched on in a couple places in the book, and it's something that it, if I look back at, at when I started, you know, I started with – thanks, buddy. Thank you. Go play with your brother. Okay. When I started shooting, it was with a buddy's bow that was too long, and, you know, we'd go in the back – in his backyard, and once a week, once every two weeks, we'd go fling, you know, a dozen – two dozen arrows each out of his bow that, like I said, it wasn't sized for anybody but him, and that's how I started. And it was with the puncher release, and it was, you know, it was a, it was a rodeo to say the least. You know, it was fun. But then a couple years went by, and I, you know, I, I'd been hunting all my life. Then finally, it just got to the point where it's like, you know what, I want to take that archery thing a little bit more seriously. And mm-hmm. I went and picked up a bow. And in my opinion, the the structure for coaching archers and bow hunters is very poor because it, it's very available. You can go to Bass Pro Shops or Cabela's or an archery shop. You can go anywhere. You can go pick up a bow and. And within, within an hour, you can be out the door shooting arrows at something somewhere, you know. And the problem with that is, do you really think in five or ten minutes of setting somebody up, checking their draw length, making sure they can handle the weight, that they're going to understand what they need to, to do moving forward to, be, to get started on the right foot? It's, the answer is no, you know. It's just, it's just flat out no. And, you know, from release selection to understanding uh, form and, and, stru- and, and the structure of your shot and the posture of yourself or your body that needs to be and having low shoulders and having good follow-through and, and understanding what pin movement is supposed to be like and, and understanding that all those things are part of the process. It'll take hours and days and, and for some people years to, to understand and grasp all that. Mm-hmm. And that's where with, with my son, it's something that he just got his first release uh, about a month, a little over a month ago now, maybe a month and a half ago. but And it's a pull-through release. Um, you know, I had considered getting him started on a puncher, but I was like, you know what? No. Uh, he's going to start with this now compound. When you, when you say puncher, for those people who... An index finger release, um, you know, treat like a, a caliper, a, a double caliper style release that you, you basically squeeze you with your finger, your index finger, or, you know, a version of that type of release. But what I decided was he was he started shooting when he was three, believe it or not, with the little fiberglass recurve, and I would help him. And, and he got to the point when he was about four, he can load his own arrows, and he can shoot all on his own. He was only shooting about five, seven yards, and he'd only shoot about eight or ten arrows, and then he'd put his bow down. But I let him shoot like that, and, and then I just kind of coached him into having a little bit better form as he went, understanding that he was doing it at his own pace and as he wanted to. So here, fast forward now, when he was six, a little over a year ago, he was watching. He was shooting tournaments by now, watching other kids, three, four, five years older than him, mind you, shooting with their compounds, shooting very well, hitting the targets. And he here he was, he'd hit one out of four or five targets with his recurve, you know, mm-hmm. and and I can start seeing the frustration in his face. He's like, Dad, what the heck? You know, these kids are all s- drilling these targets, and I, I can't even hit one, you know? So at that point, it's like, oh, he's re- I-, I thought he was ready for a compound. He-, he expressed he wanted one, but I kept him shooting fingers because 
He was familiar with how to anchor with his fingers. He was familiar with uh, the release and follow through with his fingers. So I kept him with that in a compound. So I introduced one variable at a time, right? I like that. And so, and, and, and realistically, it was two variables just because of the compound and then actually putting right. his side on his bow now, right? So he had the form down. He had the, the, the follow through down. He had his anchor point down. So he started shooting with this compound with the single pin sight. And then he started doing much better immediately, you know? So now he's with his buddies and they're all hanging out, and, and mind you, Dominic's six, and he's shooting with nine, 10, 11-year-olds. So he's strutting his stuff. He's feeling pretty big. Well, yeah, I mean, they're still <laughs> shooting better than him, obviously, but he's definitely starting to, to progress and starting to improve. So he does this for, um, you know, the whole last year. So then he starts bugging me, Dad, when am I going to shoot a release? When are you going to teach me at the release? And at this point, I said, okay, I, I think he's ready. He's got the compound. He's got the peep side and the front side. And he's got that He's got that system down now. So then I go to a pull-through release. And before I let him do it with his bow, I got a little string bow. And, you know, just a piece of rope on a grip. And I started adjusting it. And I started walking him through the push-pull style shot technique of which I wanted him to learn. Drive his front arm gently to the target, pulling back with his back arm. Um, minimally, so he's not coming off of anchor and everything else. So he's not pulling the weight to the side. Exactly. So then he's learning this on the string with the pull-through. And and then he's getting it down, getting it down. So finally, it's like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's grab your bow. You know, so I had to adjust the release a little bit more for the tension of the bow and put him up to like 10 yards. Puts his pin on the target, and he starts, I mean – before he can hold a yeah you know a 12 to 14 inch group about 50 at 15 yards and and his 10 inch group was just a little bit i mean his 10 yard group is just a little bit better than that because he's shooting fingers all kinds of different arrows so now i i i got him all the same arrows put him in front of this target with this pull through release and he's like four to six inch groups at 10 yards and he's looking at me like dad they're in the yellow you know and and he's stoked and and now I know he's all in because he's seeing the the pro, the progression of himself and he's seeing the results that he wants to see with this. So now we've been he's been shooting that that pull through for a little over a month, maybe a month and a half now. We've been shooting some some paper leagues. Uh, he's been shooting in the the 3D tournaments we have at the shop, and now he's got a 10, 15, 20 yard pin set on his bow, and he's understanding how to use that. So. And he's he's telling me, Dad, can we go downstairs and shoot our bows? Dad, can we go to the shop and shoot our bows? So now he's excited, and he's interested in it, and he's very engaged in it. So my biggest challenge now is that moment where the kids start to lose their attention when we shoot like a paper league, for example. About halfway through, he wants to go play grab ass with his buddies, you know. <laughs> and that's where Dad's like, Nope, you got to finish. You started, you got to finish, you know. So. It, it's that, but it's that's just the parenting process, I guess, that I'm, I'm learning as well. But as far as the structure and technique, if I can take a new bow hunter and if I can tell them, look, you need to, do, you need to shoot this type of release for at least the first month. And if there was a pull-through type release, a, a true tension-style release that was around 100 bucks, I would have 25 or 30 of those on the shelf, you know, and very little of those index finger tr- punch releases because... I truly feel that those releases are, um, they're a pro- they're a problem for most people because of uh, 
because of I don't want to say ignorance like people are ignorant. It's just because they don't know what's out there. They don't know what's out there to make them better and to teach them how to properly aim with a bow in hand because it's not like shooting a rifle, especially shooting a you know on 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 a bench with the rest, setting that rifle in there. And your crosshairs hardly move on a target, right? And and you're squeezing off a hair trigger to get the on a rifle. It's it's not the same game. So I, I wish that 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 was something that I that's I wish I wish I learned that way, and I wish I can teach more people that way. I try as many as we can. I encourage people to try that, but. Again, you know, with pull-through, you know, tension style releases being 150 to 250 bucks, it's it's an expensive endeavor. Yeah, it is, especially for someone like me who started on a uh, true ball shoot. What's it called? Stinger, probably. No, it was the nice one. I started right off the bat with a nice oh, did you? one. Yeah, was it a but... thumb release? A thumb button? No, it was the trigger. Okay, so maybe a sweet spot or a, a beast or a, I, I don't know. They, there are so many different ones, yeah. But now it's not just expensive. Like the expense of the release isn't as bad as the expense of the time in right. training myself differently and properly doing it and in having to tell myself, listen, I'm going to be going from really confident shooting really well to every fourth or fifth shot might be a little squirrely. Yeah. You know, and when I say squirrel, I mean not in the 10. I might be in an 8 on a 3D target, sure. which going from killing 10s to knowing you're going to go to giving up a little more accuracy so you can redo this whole process, it's humbling. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's where, I, like I said, if people can start, if they can learn that way, right, if they can learn with a tension style release because they're, they're, they're learned, it's, it's a lot at, at, at first to learn the process of shooting a bow. But if you can learn to aim properly and you can learn to shoot a surprise shot from the get-go, man, going to a punch to release later on or a thumb button or a hinge or whatever, all those things, in my opinion, are, should be interchangeable once you learn how to properly execute a shot. You know, and, you know, the, the whole, one of, the, one of my biggest pet peeves is the whole back tension phrase, right? Because, they say a certain release is a back tension style release, and it's like, no, I don't, I don't feel that it's way. Great. I feel that back tension is part of your shot and, and your pro the process mm -hmm. of your shot and your structure, right? Right. The different releases are an indicator, a thumb button release, a hinge, a tension style release. You should be using proper back tension to shoot all of those. And here, you know here's I mean? your, that's a great point. Great point. And one reason I'm glad you actually said that is, say you take a Stanislavski, I think it's the just is it just X the thumb mm -hmm. or the shoot off one of those. And if you don't move your hand at all and you sit there with the tightest hand you can, you can move your back as much as you want. But guess what? That thing's not going off. Right. You can add all the tension to your back system you want, but it's staying right there. So to say it's it's not truly a back tension is 100% correct, and it's a little bit misleading, too. Yeah, it's that, that's where, so again, so the whole, the, the learning part, right, the structure of teaching a, an archer or a bow hunter is lacking in the compound archery world. And I'll tell you that when you look at the 
uh, where the coaching structure is to teach people that, to teach people this is how your back should be positioned. When you're squeezing and you're following through, this is what you should be feeling. The people that do that very well are the FETA-style shooters, the Olympic archers, Olympic-style mm-hmm. archers, right? Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, that's technically the highest level of competition is the Olympics in archery, in, in my opinion. And, and there is structure for that. The structure for shoot, teaching a shooter how to do all those things with a recurve in hand is there. For the modern day bow hunter, um, it's not. It's can you take some of the same principles? Yeah, you can go to a class and and, and take your your classes from an instructor that's that's level four or five certified to do this feeder style stuff, and you can learn proper form and and technique there. But when you start putting a pull through t- style release, a back t- a hinge release. Uh, a, a, whatever, a, a puncher release, and start using those and transferring them into a bow hunting application, that's where the disconnect is. You know what I mean? And that's where some, one of the biggest, and even in the, the book that I wrote, one of the biggest suggestions you can have is is to pursue more tournament archery or tournament-style archery because that's when you start to learn more about yourself. You start to shoot more arrows. You start to identify with, okay, when I do this this way, this is what happens. And if you go back to the very basis of what archery is, is consistency, right? Doing this every time, um, even if it's a little bit off, as long as you know why certain things happen and you can duplicate things, then you're going to be very good. So that's where, I guess, it, it's, it's just, to me, it's about helping bridge that gap between what target archers mostly know, high-level high target archers and, and skilled target archers, they know so much more about archery than the the general bow hunting public and oh, it's yeah. because they've the the amount of time the the skills learned to a work on your equipment understand your equipment work on your form and 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 know those details that that's where in my opinion it's it's that bridge needs to be gapped when when i when i sit back and look at as a pro shop owner and as a an instructor what i consider myself as an instructor and a teacher of bow hunting and archery when you say what needs the Identify a problem that that the masses have and try to uh, attack that problem. Right. That that's what I that's what I need to try to do. And that's where this book, the first book that I wrote, was starting in that because it's like, look, we've got a problem here. A lot of times it's between our ears, and a lot of times it's just because you don't know the right mindset to put yourself in or the right things to do to help train yourself. So that way, when you get in that situation, the the event doesn't overtake you. Now go back into the second step of that. Okay, now it's form, function, structure, equipment selection. All of that. That's the second piece of that. So, yeah, we understand that the, the mind, the, what, what happens in those situations. Now let's try to help fix that. Now let's, let's also identify the, uh, again, the, the form and the, the functionality of actually shooting a bow in those applications. And, and let's, let's try to make everybody better at that. I'm a little curious. What uh, release are you running Dom with? It's an evil. It's a. It's a stand pull through. I think it's called the. Uh, shoot, I forget what it's called. Give me one sec. It'll come to me. Oh, I'm thinking. Give me one sec. It's right here. I got so many releases at the shop, man. I can't even remember all the names now. Hold on one sec. It's the element. 
Oh, the element. That's a good one. Yeah, and it's they They're have a youth ones, size. But... Yeah, really. No, so yeah, they have a so they have a youth size or a small size, and and that's that's what I really liked about this Hamski. I like the Hamski uh, breakthrough Part. and the Cure because theirs is also a tension style. Mm-hmm. But this is just a touch smaller in the hand for someone like Dominic, my son, who uh, he's seven now. So um, this this has worked good for him so far to learn on. Um, I myself actually on the pull throughs when I've played with one, just just even just training when you're blind bailing or blank bailing, you want to mm-hmm. get back into that you know making yourself pull through a shot. The the Hamsky Cure actually fits my hand a little bit better than the breakthrough. The breakthrough is a little bit big. So, and that's the smaller one that they have as a cure. Hmm. So there's there's a lot of the uh, the Carter Evolution is another one that's a good one. So there there's a lot of good ones out there. Did you see the uh, new they're calling? I think the Perfect. Dan came out with. Stan. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen that, but. That's uh, that's not a pull through, is it? No, it's thumb. Yeah, it's a thumb button. It's thumb, but uh, a lot of adjustments coming out on it. It looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, stands, stands, stand releases are really, really well done and well built. Um, they do a good job, but but a lot of people have have stepped up their game with the, with the release game oh, lately. Yeah. So Definitely. it's everybody no wants to be on equipment. top. No. No, one thing I liked about the new one though, lanyard mount. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For anyone yeah. doing train to hunt, not losing your release is a big, big. Uh... I forgot what I was saying. Lost train of thought. Well, well let's put it this way: the... losing your release would suck. Suck big. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I sh- I shoot a, a hinge for everything, and and it's something that. With those type of events, I always had to make sure that the the shorts that I was wearing had a little zipper pocket or Velcro pocket where I can shove that sucker in, so I wouldn't lose it while I'm doing the the running or the ops or the event, you know, the uh, physical challenges. Yeah, hey, you're not gonna make it very far without your release. Mm-mm. So speaking of uh, challenges coming up, alpha bow hunting. What's the plan this year? So 2017. Um, we're going to be adding some events and dialing it up. You know, what our, our goal in 2016 was to, uh, get the event out there. Um, we, we picked a pretty tough weekend just cause I didn't want to schedule on top of anybody. And that was that Memorial day weekend, but we had a great time and it was a big party. Uh, I would say that you, one of the things that, you know, reflecting back on the event, we had spectators yeah, I mean, there was two to three spectators per every competitor. You know, it was wives or husbands, kids. Um, there was a ton of people there, and and that's what I really wanted to to come to to bring to the, to that event was make it spectator friendly, make it fun for everybody to compete in and watch. And in doing so, um, our game we're really not going to change our game at all because it's. I feel like it was it it was it came off very well the first time. Mm-hmm. So where I wanted to grow was at events. So we're going to do four events in 2017. We're going to do three uh, qualifier type events. Um, 
and then one finals. And I guess the only, you know, qualifier finals, the, the only thing that really is going to differentiate those is if you compete in one of the first three events that are, you know, we're going to call the qualifiers, I'm going to um, pre-qualify the top four competitors in every division for the finals and comp their entry fee for the finals. So, oh. yeah, so that's it's something that, in my opinion, if you qualify for that type of event, um, it's, it's an invite, right? We, you, you've mm-hmm. done well enough on your first event. Okay, you move through to step to plan B. Now, the finals event is going to be an event within itself. So if you weren't able to qualify in the first three, it's not over for you. You still have time to – or you still can participate in the finals and um, try to win the big prizes because that's the second part of what we're doing is, you know, we gave away – it was over $5,000 of cash and prizes at our very first event. So I'm working hard, and I am – I haven't been one to to go out and 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 call in favors, right? I I don't I don't like to have to do that. But for this stuff, for the for the growth of the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge and and being able to continue to deliver a a you know a, a competition, a package to the consumer, I'm calling in favors, and I'm uh, I'm I'm we're getting after it, you know. So my goal for 2017 is nothing short of dialing it up many notches in that cash and prize category and things are starting to uh look pretty good so really uh, what are we what are we talking big big payoff for the uh, overall champ or what uh, i'm my goal so this year jesse who won uh in 2016 you know he got cooler and a hamski uh release and he got a kafaru pack and he got i mean a grizzly cooler and then he got arrows and um Mountain Op supplements, and he got. I can't remember what else he. I mean, we figured it out. And in cash, I want to say that he took home. Oh, I don't know. It's three or four hundred bucks cash. Damn. Um, yeah. So he he took home over fifteen hundred dollars of cash and prizes himself. Um, my goal this year for the finals. I mean, we're going to be given prizes at every event, and I I don't want to commit to everything we're going to do until I have all our ducks in a row. But for the finals, my goal is that person that, that, that wins the men's alpha division is going to have at least $1,000 cash in their pocket addition, in addition to other prizes that, that we're going to be giving away. So I don't know. I don't know anywhere else in a bow hunting type competition. You go out and you win, you're going to get a thousand dollar payday guaranteed in addition to other stuff, you know? So other than, you get into some of the big ASA tournaments and IBO tournaments, you win money like that for competing in the pro class or semi-pro class. But this is a bow hunting competition, and this is, um, this is you know, this isn't your your standard bread and butter, uh, you know, target shooter or or three D shoot. What's what's the date of the last one? Ju- July first and second is going to be the finals. I'm gonna have to make a little note right here that July. So you're saying someone like me who lives out of town, July 1st and 2nd, could come out, qualify, and then the finals is going to be after that? Or how is it? No, the, so you don't even have to qualify. If you just decided you just want to come up on July 1st and 2nd, pay your entry fee, and, and roll the dice, 
everybody, whether you qualify or not, has to shoot the the qualifier round in the morning, right? Or the first day, depending on how we structured it. But the structure of the event itself is essentially a a qualifying round, marked yardage. You're going to be shooting bow hunter scenario targets, uh, shooter's choice targets. There's all kinds of stuff. The the game of the qualifier itself is a game within itself. So you come out, you qualify. If you happen to finish in the top 8 to 16, depending on total number of competitors for the Alpha Division, then you're going to qualify to, to go head-to-head for those big big prizes. The kicker here is if you don't happen to fall in that top category, everybody else still gets bracketed head-to-head format, and there's still uh, second-tier prizes that, that you get to, co- to compete for. So it's, it's going to be huge, man. I mean, I, I sat down. And I started penciling out that that's where I started is when I looked at 2017, I said, okay, what do I want to deliver to the competitors? And I said, this, this is what first place should win. This is what second place should win. This is what the ladies first place should win second place, third place, fourth place, you know, the, in the alpha bracket and then in the men's open bracket, because like I said, if you qualify in the top uh, 20%, you're in the alpha bracket. Everybody else is in the, is in the men's open bracket. Uh, you know, we've got a traditional division. We've got a young adult division. We've got a senior division. So in all these divisions, I started I started outlining what I wanted to give each competitor for winning or being in the top, you know, in the on in the awards uh, process. And then I worked backwards from there because, in my opinion, you can go shoot a 3D shoot with your buddies and have a good time anywhere, right? Anybody can, mm-hmm. can do that any given weekend. You can go, you know, if, if you don't want to shoot a tournament and you want to go get better, you can go do that anywhere. You know, so if I'm trying to put a competition together where I want to help you get better, I want to show you some weaknesses, not because I want to put you down, but because I want you to identify those and get better from them. And I want to have a fun competition where you get to go head-to-head, one-on-one. You don't have to be the best shooter of the weekend. You just have to be better than the guy standing next to you the entire when you time. start that line. That's it. That's the only thing that you need to do. You don't have to be the best, most accurate, most fittest guy or girl. You just need to be better than the person next to you each round. And in doing so, I want to be able to give you a lot of stuff, man. There's a lot of great things that the archery industry has to offer. And like I said, I, I haven't I haven't went out and, and called in on a lot of favors, but I've started to. So and it's it's for the reason I want to give it back. You know, I want to give a lot of that stuff back and and when somebody leaves that event or any of those events, they're gonna say hopefully one of a, a couple things. Yes, I had a great time. I won some great stuff. It was fun watching other people compete and I had a great time doing it myself. Oh, and by the way, I need to work on this, so I'm gonna get to work on it. You know, so it's something that um, I'm excited about it. That's that's probably, you know, uh, with having written this this book and and having the alpha stuff, organizing that for 2017. Um, man, I'm I've I've I was starting to feel burned out a little bit before hunting season. I was starting to feel a little bit um, like I was lacking uh, direction again. You know, and I just sat down and. And started outlining my goals and in, in, in writing out what I wanted to do for 2017. And that's when stuff started to uh, take place and, and work itself out. And it was just like it lit a fire under my butt since then. So uh, I'm, I'm motivated to make this, this competition the best bow hunting game out there. And reward people in the process. I like that. 
I'm not gonna lie. I'm busy right now searching for uh, flights out to Denver on those dates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun, man. We're I've got the DJ lined out for all four events. That's that's one element that um, we brought to the to the table this year where. We had music playing all weekend. We had on the head-to-head rounds. It was full on, um, you know, we, music was playing and people were were pumped up to get ready to compete. You know, you you see a lot of competitions and a lot of times where people are sitting back with their headphones on. They're kind of getting pumped up or they're getting in the zone. You know, it's like you don't need to do that, man. Let's all do it. You know, let's all do it together. So um, we got uh, we got my buddy Juan lined out. He was with us this year and. Um, he, I've already, he was one of the, one of the first guys I talked to. I said, man, I need you next year four times. And he said, I'll be there. So we're, we're, we're lining stuff out. The, the, the July 1st and 2nd, the finals, we're going to do a private film viewing just like we did this year. We will have a big, big free barbecue, some kind of cater dinner, um, probably in between the first two nights of competition after the first night and before the second, um oh wait there's two nights of competition i didn't catch that so the final is going to be a two-day event and better change this flight then yeah so that it's a it's a saturday sunday event it's um saturday is going to be the qualifier we're going to add an element a, a different element to the to the game for the finals where um people can can get a little extra practice hopefully on that head-to-head range it's all going to depend on on participation, but uh, yeah, the game's going to be uh, the qualifying rounds Saturday morning. We'll probably start some of the head-to-heads on Saturday afternoon. Um, after Saturday afternoon, Saturday Saturday's events, we're going to have a free dinner. Like I said, we're going to have some you know private film viewing. Uh, there's a lot of good talent out there that you know some of them submit their stuff to the film tours. Some of them submit it just to youtube and do it online and other guys like willie and willie schmidt from pure hunting and you know even trevin with outback outdoors those guys have some work that sometimes doesn't make the cut for tv but it's still great work you know so uh we're going to open our doors uh, i know the whale tail guys are always putting good stuff together so we're going to open our doors and and i'm inviting some people to 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 allow us to share their their short pieces on that that evening and again just continue the the uh the community atmosphere the community feel because again that's that's the one of the other things that that uh, drew me away from a lot of a lot of competitive archery stuff was you rush to get there you do the competition and you rush home or you rush back wherever you're going right because it's it's just always such a busy uh our lifestyle is just so busy so with this event especially this finals weekend i want to be able to bring people together Give them a pl- give them some time and, and a platform to, if nothing else, man, sit back and and enjoy a frosty beverage of your choosing with a with a buddy and watch some watch some private films and and um, you know have some barbecue and just hang out and then we'll get back after it again on day two. Yeah, I feel like you've convinced me to come out to this competition. How how does the competition actually work? Before I go ahead and book this. So the, the, the event structure itself is a, you start with the 25 target qualifying course, right? 25 target round. You're going to be, um, some of the targets we had this year, just to give you an example, 
there was some shooter choice targets where, uh, for example, there was a target where you got to walk up to the stake. There was a judge at the stake, and you said, I'd like to judge that target, judge the distance, and shoot it for bonus points. So if you don't want to judge it and shoot it for bonus points, you can just walk up. Judge would show you the distance on a little yardage card, and the, we, the target this year was like a 63-yard elk. Okay, so normal scoring is, is in play on that target if you decide to shoot it for mark yardage. So you go up and you've either got a 12 for the bonus ring, a, a 10 for the 10 ring, an 8 for the 8 ring, or a negative 3 for anywhere outside the vitals. So we are enforcing a real-life scoring system that, that uh, is, is, uh, is more lifelike to hunting, right? You wound an animal, it's big-time bad news. It'd be better to miss the animal than wound the animal. So that's our scoring system. So once you get to this target and the judge says, would you like to judge this target? And you say, yes. Okay, well, if you, everything you do from that moment on, you get bonus points. So the 12 ring just turned into 15 points, for example, right? The 10 ring just turned into 13 points. The 8 ring just turned into 11 points. And the three is still, the, the outside the 8 ring is still a negative 3. So at this point, you can say, well, I'm pretty sure I can hit inside the 8 ring judging that target. Worst case scenario. So worst case, you're going to get 11 points just by uh, judging it. Or, you know, you could get as many as 15 points for hitting the bonus ring. So it's there's there's some targets like that, that, that there's shooter scenario choice targets. And what my goal with doing that is, is I want the shooter to have to think a little bit before you shoot. Because that's where a lot of people say, oh, you want to get so ingrained and so muscle memory with this process that you turn your brain off and you just react. And that not necessarily, in my opinion, is the right thing to do. You need to be so comfortable with the shot process that, that yes, most of that takes place, but your mind still needs to be engaged on what you're doing. So that's where shooter choice targets just like that. So most the target, all the targets are marked yardage. You can walk into our tournament and not have to judge a single target, but there's going to be a handful that if you want bonus points, you can get bonus points by judging the target. There's other shooter scenario targets where there's two ex identical targets. For example, there's a turkey at 17 yards and there's a turkey at 34 yards. So twice the distance, right? You know how small those, those scoring rings on oh, a turkey yeah. are. So now the higher risk, the higher reward. So then the, there's bonus points assessed to these for their targets. So again, it's the, the game of qualifying, the qualifying round in itself is a game within itself. So... You come out, there's some kneeling shots, there's some seated shots. You're drawing and holding for 30 seconds. There's some, there's some, these shooter choice targets. There's a lot of, we had a ground blind target. There's a lot of different uh, real life hunting scenario shots in our game. After you post your qualifying score, we basically put everybody in, in order and then we, uh, we, we develop our, our brackets. So at the qualifying rounds, they're just going to be a men's open, women's open traditional senior, young adult, we are going to have a youth. We're going to open it to youth, although the, the youth head-to-head -head game is going to be uh, interesting for me at, at this point. But, um, but we're going to op open all those divisions. Once you, get, once you get bracketed, then you wait for your, uh, your tea time, your, your, bracket, your bracket to come up, and then you go head-to-head. The whole tournament is shot. You got to be wearing a day pack. You got 25 pounds for the guys, worth of total day pack weight. Ladies are 15, 
um, it's just simulating hunting in as many ways as we can. There's no way you can simulate hunting without hunting itself. But as far as throwing a little, uh, the little twerks in there or a little, you know, tweaking the game to simulate as many as, as many hunting, uh, similarities or situations as we can is what we're trying to do. And really so, you're pushing your, the archery skills. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's something that, you know, I, I primarily hunt the West. Do I think that a Eastern whitetail hunter, you know, if that's primarily what they do, will benefit from this type of game? A hundred percent. If, if you, if you can be prepared to hunt the West, you can be prepared to hunt anywhere. You know what I mean? It's, it's something that if you can be proficient and skilled and prepared to tackle, you know, the Rocky Mountain region of, of the Western United States, then I believe you can hunt anywhere in North America and be prepared for that. Unfortunately, you cannot be prepared to sit there in a stand, bored out of your mind all day, freezing your balls off. But I don't know that's, if that's something you want to train for. <laughs> that's a mental toughness factor there that, that requires additional training. Yeah, yeah which this this will, I think, man, you know what? After talking to you about this, I think I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to give it a shot, see if I can find a cheap ticket, make my way out there. Yeah, and that's, that's so... The reason I added more events to is to give people more opportunity practice on this type of game because it's so, it's so new that people haven't you know been able to do it anywhere if you didn't come to our first event. So having these qualifier dates, um, the structure is the same. The only difference in the finals is going to be that we're going to take the top 20% of at least the men's open division and create that alpha bracket. With enough ladies' participation, we'll do the same. If we don't, well, then the ladies' bracket will stay the lady, just all-inclusive and, and run them out um, in head-to-head format like we did. So um, that, that's, that's it in a nutshell, man. Like I said, it's, it's, I had fun. I even jumped in on the action, the action this year. We had, a, we had a buy spot on one of, the, one of the competitors, and I said, nope, get, get, your, get your pack, get your bow. You're shooting against me this round. And... Of course, they still went on. I wasn't actually competing to compete. I just wanted to get in there and run the course because everybody looked like they were having such a good time doing it. I had to do it myself. How'd you do? I did all right. I did good. So um, it's fun, man. Like I said, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's Each round on the head-to-head course takes somewhere between two and three minutes. So we turn the course over, we reset the course and start with the next group and we set the course and we, so it moves fairly quickly. Um, so there's always action, man. There's always action and it's, uh, it's short enough to where it can be fast, but it's, it's long enough to where you, you get your heart rate up a little bit, you know, you get that adrenaline flowing, that little mild physical exercise between each shot on the head to head round. It, um, it's just enough to get you, um, in that lifelike situation of I just climbed this hill, that's it, you know, and can I make this shot right now? So I'm looking Mm. forward to it. Yeah. Me too. I get ready, man. Me too. Oh, I'll be ready. Don't you worry about me. Three minutes, that's my perfect workout time. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, on that note, you want to keep going, or we'll talk a little hunting, or should we call it a call it a show and catch up on the next one? I don't even know how long we've been rolling, man. How long we've been Fifty, rolling? about an hour, 50 about minutes. a little shy of an hour. Yeah. Well, we can. We I know we're going to catch up again here. I think uh, 
in a week or so, a little over a week. But um, real quick, uh, how would how'd your hunting season go? Would you get did you get out and stand much or what? Uh, so my hunting season was pretty non-existent. And I'll be honest, it could have been better if I had done more work on the preseason. But generally, I've always done a lot of the work because we have such a long season during season. What I did not account for was the amount of time that would be allotted to new family activities. Yeah. So next season coming up this year, I'm just going to have to have everything ready. And the only thing I'll have to do is get in the stand and go, uh, that, that little guy, man, you, your little guy, that's, uh, it's, you, you don't know how much time he requires until you, ha- until he's here. Right. That's a hundred percent correct. Nobody could have prepared me for that. No. And I dealt with the same thing when I had Dominic, my oldest son, it was like, oh, I don't, it'll be fine. You know, I, that's still going to hunt as much. No, I didn't hunt as much for, that first year, I can remember that 100% I didn't. The second year, I got a little bit better. And then it was like by the third year that I felt like I was back into the swing of things with actually getting to get out as much as I used to. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. oh. it was rough. How about yours, though, man? Yours, you, you had some success. I did at the end. I mean, I, Nebraska was really good, man. I shot a nice buck there. Um, my, my New Mexico hunt was, it was really cool. I got to hunt, uh, spend some time with my cousin Joe and, and with Luke, with, uh, with, uh, Luke and Grady, with, uh, the gladiators and leash guys. And, um, I didn't, I, I wasn't able to shoot at anything. I mean, tag out on anything. There was no shot opportunities on that hunt, but I got to see some beautiful country. We did see, uh, some elk the last evening I was there of which we didn't, we, I'd never got close enough for a shot on. Um, but it was, it was, it was a great time. My general archery season, it went good. Braden and I, Braden tagged out the opening weekend. You know, he shot a real nice buck. We had a hellacious pack out and, um, it was an ass kicker all around, but you know, it was, it was memorable. I got some great video. I need to actually start, uh, editing that so I can, I can upload that because that's, that's, it was, it was an awesome hunt. Um, I was a little less successful than the, as the season continued, I actually arrowed a nice bull and wasn't able to recover him. So that was where a lot of my kind of dampening of, or the, the downfall of my, my low point of the season, I guess you might say, um, it's never good when you, you lose an animal, but even less when it was an animal of that caliber that I was able to get into. And, um, nonetheless, man, I, I learned from it. I, it's, it's hunting and I hope to not experience that again, but it, it did. I mean, I, 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 I plugged the bull and it was a good blood trail and it, we just, it just, it didn't work out. So, but that was it, man. It was, it was, it was good. And it's always good. Got to take Dom up for a weekend and, and hike around with him and, have him tell me how to elk hunt. So <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting, but, um, no, man, I'm, I'm excited. Like I said, my, my batteries are recharged. I, um, I, I've, I've kind of, you know, obviously we haven't been on here as much and it's, it's just because I've been, I've been working, you've got the little guy, you've had family stuff going on and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to, start finishing some projects that I've started 
in the past, one being the book, two being getting this alpha format and, and prizes and structure done, and all that seemed to, seems to be underway. Our outdoor range at No Limits Archery should be fully functional here come spring. Um, so trying to make a point to finish some projects, or at least complete, I guess you should say, I should say some projects um, before I move on to the next project. Awesome, man. So, yeah. Exciting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Natural Born Hunter podcast. Wake up, chase your dreams, repeat.